Well, it's finally happened. You can put everything to rest. You can stop pressing the panic button so much. The Orlando Magic have won a basketball game. And we may have just seen the future. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed locked on magic. Today is October 29th, 2022. It's a Saturday. My name is Phil Prosnerich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the Orlando Magic are victorious. 113 to 93 over the Charlotte Hornets. We'll break down their first win of the season and why this might be a glimpse into the team's future. We're going to get to that coming up here. In just a moment, but before we do that, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your team every day. No matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. When I sat down to record Locked On Magic uh, Friday morning, um, you know, it, 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 there was a fair amount of hand-wringing still going on. How were the Orlando Magic going to operate without a point guard? How were they going to operate um, without this captain, this seemingly so important position on the floor to kind of guide and direct them? So much of what the Magic were struggling with was this idea of trying to tie everything together, to take all these good, positive moments and make them work. On both ends of the floor, to be perfectly honest. To make everything work better over a longer period of time. That's where the magic were sitting. And without, you know, Marco Fultz, who a lot of us think is kind of the great connector on this roster. You know, who knows if he, where he ranks in the, in the pantheon of the NBA or whether he's ultimately answered. But we, we, we understand what his strengths are. The magic just seemed to be missing such a key element. And frankly, they've just looked disorganized. On offense, not knowing where to go, when to be, how to move, how to do all this stuff. On defense, just not communicating and executing what they're trying to do efficiently or effectively. At the end of the day, everyone understands and everyone knows the Magic have to do so many things correctly. They have to do X, Y, and Z correctly if they're going to take the step forward that we all think they can take. How would they do this without a point guard? Initially, as we entered Friday night's game, all of us thought that the answer was obvious. Just stay in tradition. Give R.J. Hampton the chance to be the point guard that he maybe thinks he is and that a lot of people in the draft process thought he could be. That's not how the Magic operate. They don't do what we think they're going to do all the time. And they have made it very abundantly clear that they are going to think outside the box. In fact, they, they don't understand why what the box is to begin with. They have told us they are positionless. They have played defense and tried to switch as if they are positionless. When in fact, they are not. And, and we'll get to some of that here in a minute. But 
The Magic keep insisting that they are the future of this league. Putting Paolo Bancaro, a six foot ten forward, and Franz Wagner, a six foot nine, six foot ten forward, on the ball as main creators. As great big men who can not only work off the dribble, but pass and be create for others. And they have shown throughout the course of this year, both by necessity and by plan, that they want these guys to lead. And they are willing to live through the mistakes of what this looks like. And so what does Orlando do when they're faced with this uh, necessities of mother invention? What do they do when they're faced with this crisis? They put Bull Bull in the lineup. They have Bull Bull bring the ball up the floor. They have Paolo Bancaro work as the lead initiator. They're figuring things out, but they're still not afraid to experiment. And ultimately, what we saw Friday night might be closer to what this team's vision is than anything else. When Mike D'Antoni started the seven seconds or less Suns with Sean Marion as a point guard and or as a small forward and or power forward, excuse me, and Amari Stoudemire at center, people thought he was crazy and asked and said, you can't run a team like that. That's not how any of this works. The revolutionaries often are deemed crazy and 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 people want to put them in the box. You know, the seven seconds or less Suns, they said they don't play enough defense to win. Well, they just played at a faster pace. Their defense was actually pretty fine and they came pretty darn close to winning a couple championships um, even though they couldn't get over the hump. The Magic are trying to do something revolutionary and who knows if this is actually going to work or whether this is what the Magic want to be, but Against a Charlotte team that is playing very, very well, Orlando played its best game of the season. They locked in, and they sure looked like they didn't need a point guard. A 113-93 victory over the Charlotte Hornets. A dominant victory. where The Magic's defense was on point, giving up just 30 points in the first half, taking a 51-30 lead at halftime on a 13-0 run to close the first half. A game where the Magic had 28 assists on 42 field goal makes, their highest assist mark of the season. A game that the Magic won despite making only 10 of 37 three-pointers. Imagine if the Magic Magic actually made some three-pointers in this game. Some of their open three-pointers. A game where the Magic still left points on the board going 19 for 26 from the foul line, including Paolo Bancaro shooting 3 for 7. The Magic played a solid game. 62 points in the second half, 51 in the in the first. A 29-11 advantage in the in the second quarter alone. The Magic did a lot of good things and still look like they should have played a lot better and gotten a lot more. Defensively, they were on a string. Their best defense of the season, and that is not even close. And they still gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter. This could have been much worse for Charlotte. But they were tied on a string rotating and switching effectively, getting out to the three-point line to challenge shots. And yeah, Charlotte missed some open shots early, and and, and you just live with those. Um, But doing a much better job closing out and frankly just daring Charlotte to go into the paint because they had so many deflections just based off their size alone, whether it was Bull Bull, whether it was Franz Wagner. Terrence Ross was six foot six, the shortest player in the Magic starting lineup, getting deflections left and right. Orlando bothered Charlotte, and for the first time all year that we could say this about the Magic's defense, 
the magic made the Hornets feel them. They made the Hornets know that they were there and have to sit and think, how are we going to beat this? That's something I've been banging the drum about for this Magic defense and one of the frustrations I've had about this Magic defense. I don't know where they want opposing players to go, and I don't know what they're trying to do. This game, the Magic had it all figured out. They switched effectively. They defended their man. They didn't let bodies into the paint. And on the other end, even though the Magic could not hit from the outside, they forced their way into the paint. They got enough stops to create some transition opportunities. Orlando finishing with just eight fast break points, which sure felt like a whole lot more. They had 56 points in the paint compared to 38 on 19 for 37 shooting for Charlotte. Orlando was everywhere, swarming and doing what they wanted to do defensively. And if that's an endorsement for the kind of line for the lineup that the Magic put out there, I don't know what is. But more importantly, this felt like the vision the Magic ultimately have. The thing that they are building toward, the the, the kind of crazy idea and scheme that they have. A, a, a roster full of switchable big men with long arms that will deter drives to the paint and interior passing. That will be able to get out and challenge three-point shots when they do collapse in the paint too much. That's going to work hard and play hard using their length to make up for mistakes. That's what happened defensively. And then offensively, a team that can have anyone bring the ball up and play make. A team that anyone can create and anyone can beat their man off the dribble as they search for advantages. Orlando's offense was not great in this game. Um, it, it became good as they got through the, through the second half and they started passing the ball and, and getting in the paint, whether it was Franz, whether it was Bowl, whether it was Paolo, whether it was Wendell, who played with more aggression than he's played all season long. The Magic found a way to get in the paint, create the collapsing defense they want that either got them to the foul line, got them the shot they wanted at the rim, or enabled them to kick out and recycle all over again. Orlando found its confidence. Orlando found its swagger. They've said in the past they want to play offense with swagger. And they found their way. How much of this is repeatable and how much can they do this against better opponents? Because Charlotte's good, but not good, good. That's going to be a question. But Orlando did something different and did something unique and did something that it feels like they want to do again. And I'm not just talking about winning because that's the obvious thing. But using all their forwards, all their big players as playmakers, as guards, as initiators. That's what the Magic wanted to do. That's, that's what the Magic have talked about forever. That there, there, are, there is no point guard. This idea of what a point guard is, that's irrelevant. Because they have faith that all of their guys can bring the ball up, initiate, and start the offense. And while that is probably an oversimplification of the problem, and, and, and I don't think, you know, I, I will say I am still an in-the-box thinker on this, they, they still need a point guard. They still need someone who's got that experience. But if, if this season is about getting Paolo and Franz this kind of experience so that they'll be better next year when it does maybe matter a little bit more, then this is the kind of game that tells you the experimenting is worth it. The experimenting can work. The experimenting is producing growth. And who knows, maybe this is exactly what the Magic want to see. Maybe this is the future. We're going to talk a little bit about the performances the Magic had and how they can build on them coming up here 
in just a moment. As we do after every game, let's run through the final box score, go through some of the performances as the Orlando Magic defeat the Charlotte Hornets 113-93. to The Magic led in scoring by the one and only Paolo Bancaro, 21 points, 8 for 14, shooting 2 for 4 from deep, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, plus 27 for the game. We had him on triple-double watch at, at about halftime when he was, I think, it was at, what, 9 points, 8 rebounds, and 4, 5 assists, something like that. Um, it very much looked like Paolo Bancaro was on triple-double watch. It almost looked like he wasn't going to get that 20-point mark because the Magic were up by as much as 32 points in this game. Very easily could have just sat him the entire fourth quarter. He did come in the fourth quarter. He did hit a three. He did get to 20 points, considering his streak of uh, now six straight games of at least 20 points to start his career. But um, the one th- the one adjustment that I really like about this game is the Magic played less with Point Franz and more with Point Paolo. Um, This is a point, and this is kind of the point I was trying to get at uh, after Wednesday's game. I think the Magic do need to trust Paolo Bencaro to drive the bus. As good as it is to have Franz Wagner, and and I think as much as they trust Franz Wagner, Paolo Bencaro just looks a lot more comfortable out there. In this game, he was essentially the point guard. uh, I mean, it was split between everyone, so I don't want to say it was only him, but... I really thought he did the best job initiating and creating off the dribble. And this was really the first game where we saw Paolo's playmaking really take hold. He had a couple of nice passes to Mobamba for for, ba- for baskets. He had a really nice wraparound pass to Mobamba. Um, and, and he was just playing simply and easily and freely. And, and, you know, he's always a threat to score. Everyone knows that. He's always a threat to get the foul line. Everyone knows that. And so if he's able to get downhill, if he's able to get to the, get into the paint— good things are going to happen. And you just have to trust that he will make the right decisions. He's a rookie. He'll have games where he doesn't. Tonight, in Friday's game, he made all the right decisions. And and honestly, as impressive as some of his games have been, as impressive as his game Wednesday was, which was really impressive against Cleveland, as impressive as his opening game was against Detroit, to me, this was honestly the most impressive game that I've seen from Paolo Bancaro. I I thought that he played outstanding. Um, I thought that he did... A lot of really good things. Um, the passing and playmaking was just such a big part. And yeah, he still needs to get a little bit better defensively. He needs to do a better job moving his feet, especially coming around screens, um, both on pick and rolls and off the ball. Uh, but overall, he is—he's still just blowing away every high expectation we have of him. And and you know, like, look, it's it's hard not to watch some of the shots and some of the plays that he's making, and not just get giddy to say like we have a star. And 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 you know, you don't want to overblow it because there's still a lot of season left to play and, and and but he is he is just making such a positive impact on this team um and and doing really really good things and again it's just about kind of figuring out uh, how to get the most out of him Wendell Carter 15 points 6 for 13 shooting missed all three of his three pointers but five rebounds four assists and two steals um don't let those kind of meager stats fool you Wendell Carter was really good in this game. Um, probably a little too three-point happy still. Um, you know, he's 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 still a nominal threat from three like he was last year. But I, I think teams are happy to let him shoot threes. And, and I, I, you don't want to discourage... I don't honestly... Even with how poor this team is shooting, you don't want to discourage guys from taking open threes. Keep taking open shots. They're going to go down. 
you got to trust that they're going to go down. The defense is going to give them to you a little bit. Don't, the, the more you hesitate on those shots, the worse it's going to be. So I'd rather see guys just, uh, you know, not firing away from three. But when you're open, when you catch the ball cleanly, when you're in rhythm, you got to take the shot because waiting only allows the defense to reset. Um, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to get the defense off balance if you pass up that shot. You've got to take those shots. So I don't mind Wendell Carter necessarily taking those threes. Thought he settled a little bit on the perimeter, but he found his rhythm uh, in the second and third quarters. Did a great job attacking the basket. Did a great job kind of attacking Mason Plumlee off the dribble a little bit, setting himself up for step back, setting himself self up for mid range jumpers. I thought he did a really really good job. Defensively, he was. This was his best defensive game of the season by far. I, I have been pretty openly critical of Wendell Carter's uh, help, uh, defense this year. He's still a great individual defender. Put him on the block. He's going to stop. He's going to get a stop more often than not, or, or force a tough shot. S- the switching game has been very, very tough for him. And one of the things that a lot of people who watched him in Chicago would say is uh, Chicago uh, had him blitzing screens, and he wasn't very good on the perimeter. I think his angles and and how he's attacked his switching scheme has been really, really poor. This game, it was perfect. This game, he did his switching perfectly, was able to kind of step into his man, stop any dribble penetration, reset, and allow his individual defense to take over. Um, I I, I was really, really impressed. You know, the only issue I had with the Magic's defense tonight uh, and Friday's game, honestly, was early on in the game, they would switch with Terrence Ross. And so Terrence Ross would end up guarding Mason Plumley. And look, Mason Plumley's not about to score a ton of points, but um, they would always dump down to him in the post um, and he would get some easy looks and the Magic would have to scramble to help Terrence Ross out a little bit. Um, Ross really struggled in this game and I think some of it was the rhythm. Out, he was out of rhythm defensively because he had to guard you know, such a big player. He had three fouls in the game. Um, so it, it was def- that was definitely an issue, but the Magic solved that issue. They stopped switching that play. Uh, their length really bugged Charlotte. They don't trust Mason Plumley as a scorer, and so I think the Magic got away with it in this game, and that was maybe a defensive strategy as well to say, hey, just cut off their perimeters. This is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league right now. Just cut them off uh, with switching and 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 ho- and then duck down and help out with, with Plumley and, and force difficult pass-outs because he's not the greatest passer in the world either uh, out of the post. Um, so I think Orlando had a good good scheme going, and I think this scheme really, really bugged them. And at the end of the day, Orlando executed it really well. Um, you can't say anything more than that. Orlando executed what they were trying to do defensively really, really well, and, and I think that deserves a ton of credit. Um, and again, Wendell Carter was really good at this. You can go back and watch the tape. The way he was switching, the way he was coming out on perimeter defenders was a lot better than at, it was a better angle. You know, he wasn't allowing that, that downhill attack where he couldn't catch up. It, it was just all so much better and just so much more active and energetic. You could tell the Magic were really aiming to get this win. Bull Bull continues to be just a revelation. 11 points, 4 for 6 shooting, 7 rebounds for Bull. Um, just, con- just continues to be just great energy. Um, he's just tough defensively too. He's just so big. Uh, he's able to get into passing lanes. He still goes for steals a little bit too much. He still chases blocks a little bit too much. I would honestly say he still tries to shoot a little bit too much, although he only had six field goal attempts, so this was a better game on that front from him. But when he gets going, when he's able to get downhill, whether it's off a drive, whether it's in transition, he he's just tough to stop. There's just very little anyone can do with him uh, because he's he's pretty good off the bounce for a guy his size. Uh, and he's he's just he's smart offensively. He knows how to attack offensively. I mean, usually you see guys his size. 
they move awkwardly. He's got a he's he's a fluid athlete, and he you know he just makes shots. It's 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 again like the physics don't make sense, but it does. He's he's an athletic seven foot three. He's not a gangly seven foot three, you know, like his dad was. Frankly, like uh, like most guys his size are, he's he's really put together athletically, and um, hopefully uh, hopefully that's 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 seen as a compliment. I mean that as compliment, um, and that's allow allowing him to attack really well. Uh, Franz Wagner, a solid game, 13 points, 5 for 8, shooting 4 assists. Um, did some good point guard things. I, like I said, I think Paolo was the main uh, ball handler in this one. So a solid game for Franz. Still trying to kind of find his find his way and find his footing uh, this season. But um, I think getting him off the ball more is going to help him out a lot. Um, so we'll see more of him. Mo Bamba, 19 points, 8 for 12, shooting 2 for 5 from beyond the arc. 6 rebounds, 5 fouls, but uh, 3 blocked shots. Um, through the Magic's 5 blocked shots in this game. Mo was really active. We've been waiting for a good Mo Bamba game. He has really struggled to start this season, um, and so this was just a this was just a really solid game. And 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 you have to be happy for Mo. Um, the Magic need the boost off the bench. That more than anything, that was the big thing. The Magic needed the boost off the bench, especially with Bol Bol coming into the starting lineup. Those second units are going to be a little bit little bit empty right now. Um, you know, so so getting this kind of a boost from Bol. He was hitting his shots. He was doing well around the basket. He was smart defensively. Maybe still block chasing a little bit, but um, that, that's just kind of how Bull, how Mo is going to be. Um, but just overall a good game. And then finally Chuma Okeke. Chuma Okeke. Um, we're all we're all we're all making the adjustment. Chuma, sorry, bud. Um, three for seven, two for five from beyond the arc, six rebounds. Good to see him hit a couple shots. That's obviously a big step for him. The Charlotte Hornets led in scoring by Gordon Hayward with 18 points, Kelly Oubre with 12 points, but on four for 16 shooting, including two for 10 from beyond the arc. Like I said, uh, Charlotte only shoots 11 for 38 from beyond the arc. That is a big reason why the Magic stayed in, stayed in this game. The Hornets missed a bunch, missed, a, missed their share of open threes, but Orlando generally did a very good job contesting and scrambling out to shooters, making the three-point shot just irrelevant to this game. If the Magic had hit their threes, and some of the open threes they had, this would have been worse. If Charlotte would have hit their threes, it might have been a little bit closer. But generally, Orlando got better shot quality than Charlotte. Charlotte had 11 threes. It was a big reason why they stayed in the game early, even though Orlando was playing pretty well. Um, that's just kind of going to be the story for a little while here until Orlando starts hitting threes at a more reasonable rate. Off the bench, uh, Nick Richards had 14 points as Orlando continues to struggle a little bit on the glass, but overall just a solid game. Magic scrambled well. They defended well. They challenged well. A lot to like. Everyone was very much on the same page on both sides of the floor. And that's how you end up with a 113-93 to 93 win. The Magic now 1-5. They will head to Dallas for a game Sunday against the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to close today's show with a bit of news about contract stuff. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. So shortly after the Orlando Magic finished up their media media availability and, and kind of wrapped up this game, the Magic made some procedural contract announcements. None of what I'm about to say should be a surprise. What I don't say might be. Uh, the Orlando Magic have picked up team op- rookie team options on Cole Anthony, Chuma Okeke, Jalen Suggs, and Franz Wagner's contracts. If you don't know, um, the standard first-round contract is two-year deal with a team option on the third and team option on the fourth season. So 
Monday is the deadline to pick up these rookie options, these all-important rookie options. So the Magic picked up fourth-year options on Cole Anthony and Chuma Okeke. They will become restricted free agents at the end of next season, at the end of the 2024 season. Uh, and then they picked up third-year options on Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner. They have a team option that we that the, the deadline for that will be next October, and then they will become restricted free agents after the 2025 season for their fourth year. This is all standard, completely expected, just procedural thing that has to be done. Um, why they wait until now to do it, I don't really understand. It's pro- It may have been in the works already, and they can't reveal it till whenever, but it, it, this was expected. This is procedural. This is what has to happen. What I didn't say there, though, is RJ Hampton. Uh, again, the Magic have until Monday to pick up that team option, but the Magic have not picked up the team option on RJ Hampton's fourth year which would turn him into a to an unrestricted free agent this coming summer with limited bird rights for the Orlando Magic. I think the bird rights are limited to um, the amount that he would have made if they had picked up the team option, which is roughly $4 million. Um, this is, frankly, for a young team, maybe a little bit surprising, but um, I think one concern the Magic have had is that, you know, and, and Jeff Weltman has expressed this, we want to, he, he said this in this many words, we want to make sure there is enough runway for these young guys to get experience, to get playing time. And if we can't provide that, then, you know, we, we have a problem. Then we need to kind of, we need to figure that part out. RJ Hampton has always felt like he might be the odd man out. He has oddly been the odd man out this entire season. Um, Hampton had a really nice preseason. He looked like he was playing under control. Like I said, when the when the point guard spot opened up, I thought RJ Hampton would be the option here. You know, maybe some some in the box thinking, and he got plenty of time in this game. Twenty four thirty seven finished with nine points, two for seven shooting, um, five for five from the foul line, four assists. So you know, he two steals. He he did some good things, and he continues to play well when given the opportunity. But the reality is, there are a bunch of things working against him here. Just for, just from a, a number standpoint. The Magic are expecting to bring in two draft picks this year. They have their own. They have their own pick, which who knows what that'll be, as well as Chicago's draft pick uh, if it's outside the top four in this upcoming NBA draft. So that's two more players coming into the roster uh, already next summer. On top of that, you have to imagine that the Magic are probably getting ready to make some moves to take some steps up the ladder. So unless RJ Hampton has this incredible season um, where he looks like he's a real rotation player. Um, the Magic are likely looking to bring in some veteran help to try and boost the team up a little bit. Not, not to you know, you know, not to say that they're on some timeline because there are no timelines here with the Orlando Magic. We all know that. Um, but you know, I think the Magic this year expected to be better, but not a playoff playing team. Next year kind of feels like the Magic are you know, especially if Paolo is this good. Um, next year kind of feels like the Magic are expecting to be a little bit more serious about being a playoff playing team, and so. To do that, it's very difficult to be this young. And it's not that the Magic have any money problems. They have a ton of cap room to spend next year um, if they want to spend it. Um, But they only still have a limited number of roster spaces. You can already see the Magic had to let Devin Kennedy go, which I'm sure really, really hurt them. It was not something they, they probably wanted to do, but that's the reality of the limited roster space the team has. So RJ Hampton really does feel like the odd man out now. I agree with a lot of the criticism I've seen online that it's a little weird that the Magic have not played him. I, I, is that decision part of this decision? I can't, 
I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I don't I don't know why RJ Hampton wasn't playing when it looked like there was a good runway for him to play and, and a chance for him to play and a chance for him to build on the good things that he's been doing in the preseason. I would have played him. I would have relied on him. I, I think that I think the team can trust him a little bit, but at the same time, we don't get the whole picture. I, I always have to remind myself this when I'm doing these these analysis. All we really get to see are the games. Um, and, and those are really important pieces of the evaluation. But so are practices. Coaches see these guys a lot more. So I do tend to defer to coaching staffs and when they when they, you know, don't play players or when players are out of the rotation saying, well, you know, they're seeing something that we're not. Um, and while and 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 while, yes, I think RJ Hampton has earned the opportunity to prove himself from what I've seen. It's only part of the picture, unfortunately. This decision not to uh, extend a, extend a team option or to pick up that team option on on Hampton's contract certainly suggests the Magic aren't ready to commit to him or 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 have made the decision not to commit to him beyond this season. It would be very very difficult to see the team bring him back unless he plays exceptionally well, and he has played well, but clearly they understand that there are other things down the road and there are other things that they have to accomplish for this team to be the best it can be. And it appears they've made that decision already this year. But that's where we stand. It, you know, it'll be something hanging over the rest of the season. We'll see what the Magic ultimately do with RJ Hampton, what they do with a lot of players on this roster as we get through the season. But the important thing for now, the Orlando Magic have their first win of the year. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in. Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Now that you're done listening to us, be sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. You can find that wherever you download podcasts, as well as check out the Locked On NBA podcast for the latest around the NBA Monday through Friday. It's obviously a Saturday, so won't be a new episode till Monday, but definitely check that out when it comes. That's going to do it for me today. We'll be back again Monday for another episode of Locked On Magic as we break down the Magic's next game against the Dallas Mavericks. Until then, for the